Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to the I Am Persuaded podcast. Hope you're having a great Friday, or if you're listening to this on another day, I hope your day is going great. And I'm just thankful that you listen each week. Uh, whenever you find the time to, and that's the great thing about these podcasts is you don't have to listen at a certain time of the day. You can do it while you're walking, while you're driving down the road, or while you're sitting on the couch. And so I'm just thankful for all of you that tune in each week and uh, support the podcast. I'd greatly appreciate that. Hey, I would encourage you today, um, maybe share this podcast with a friend. Uh, maybe share it on Facebook, maybe share it on social media. I'm not telling you you have to by any means. But um, we've covered a lot of topics on this podcast so far, and a lot of topics that we've covered, a lot of Christians have a lot of, have questions about. I mean, we answer questions like, can a Christian lose their salvation? What takes place at the Bema Seat of Christ? Um, what takes place at the Great White Throne Judgment? What's the difference between the two? We've talked about topics like depression and uh, social media and modesty, and we've hit a lot of stuff. And so no doubt there's Christians that have questions about that, and that's the prayer behind this podcast is uh, to persuade Christians with biblical teaching uh, that Christ is able in their life. And so I would encourage you today, share the podcast, maybe leave a rating uh, there in the podcast app on your iPhone if you're listening on that, or just share it with a friend and say, hey, I think you would benefit from this. I've been praying for you or something like that. And if not, I just pray you are being encouraged by this today and wherever you're at. Today, we're going to look at yet another burden of mine that the Lord really placed on my heart. Um, past couple of weeks, my heart's just been heavy. And uh, last week I shared with you out of Mark 11, talking about the barren fig tree and how we have a lot of Christians today that fit the mold of a barren fig, fig tree Christian and uh, how we need to step up and be fruitful for Jesus Christ, not fruitless and useless for Christ. And really, my heart's just been heavy, as I said. And I, I the past couple of weeks, I preached at uh, Faith Christian during the whole week and uh the Lord really did great things there. We had some respond to the gospel, raising their hand for salvation, some making commitments to the Lord and rededicating to the Lord. We praise the Lord for that. And today I'm going to talk to you about out of Philippians chapter 1. And I preached a sermon out of this chapter at Faith Christian that week, and I preached it at youth group this past Wednesday night. And uh, the Lord's really just burdened me about part of Paul's life from Philippians chapter 1 and how he took a stand for the sake of the gospel and relating that to how we desperately need in today's time some of us to stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so with that, I would say now more than ever, we need Christians that will stand up for the gospel, Christians that have a solid backbone that's rooted in God's word. And listen to me today. You say, well, I've heard all my life that I need to be bold for the gospel. I've heard all my life that I need to stand up for the gospel because there are people that's trying to tear down God's word, but I just don't see that. And really, we don't that much right now. We live in kind of a bubble. Here in North Carolina, that's where we're from, and we we, we think we're never going to feel persecution, or we think we're never going to feel um, someone opposing what we believe to, about God's word. And, and while that might be true to some degree where we're at, it's coming. And so persecution is coming. We, the Bible promises that, that we're going to face some sort of persecution. And maybe we'll never face it in our time like some people overseas or like they did in Bible times, but we'll face it to some degree. But I think what most importantly today, what's under attack is sound preaching. Something else that's under attack is just people standing up for truth. 
people that are going to, their mindset, their opinions, their basis, their facts, everything that they have is based on the truths of God's word. And so I want us to look at Philippians chapter one in your Bibles. If you're there, we're going to just look today at verse 20 and 21. The Bible says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so Paul writing this letter to the church at Philippi from an unusual place. If you're familiar with the New Testament, Paul writes basically half of the New Testament. And four of those books are what's called prison epistles. And so just like they're titled, these books were written while Paul was behind prison bars. And I don't know about you. But if I'm behind prison bars, if I'm in prison for preaching the gospel, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to want people to feel sympathy for me. And so that's how a lot of us are wired. That's how a lot of us think, but not Paul. And so Paul went away from the church at Philippi, and they're probably expecting, like, where is Paul? Where did he go? He should be back by now. And all of a sudden, they receive a letter from Paul explaining his current situation. And so Paul writes to them explaining to the church at Philippi, I've been in prison. I've been in prison for preaching the gospel. But hey, listen, the gospel is still going forward. The gospel is still being preached. There are guards. There are people in prison that are coming to faith in Jesus. And so I'm rejoicing. I'm praising the Lord for what he's doing. Look at verse 18. It says, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. He's happy because the gospel is being preached. Now, Paul is what we could call a Christ-centered Christian. Paul is one that his every thought, his every action, his every deed was centered around that of Jesus Christ. And something we find in the life of Paul after he placed his faith in Jesus was he was very bold for the gospel of Jesus. No matter what town he was in, no matter if he was standing before King Agrippa, no matter if he was up against the nation of Rome, the greatest empire in the world at the time, no matter if he was in Philippi, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 20 with me. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, Paul's not saying like, maybe this will happen. And he's saying, I know this will happen. The Greek word therefore hope is this will certainly happen that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so that Christ shall be magnified in my body. Wow. Look at Paul. He's in prison, but he said, you know what? My greatest desire my greatest mission is in life is that Jesus Christ is magnified and that I'm standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ and that I'm bold, I'm not ashamed, and I'm ready to proclaim Jesus. Man, how we need Christians today that are like Paul. How we need Christians today that are bold for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How we need Christians today that are that are willing to sell everything, that are willing to just be bold and unashamed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, you might say, well, this has nothing to do with me. This is the pastor's job. This is the preacher's job or the evangelist's job. This isn't my job. Friend, today it is your job. Christ has called you not to just sit on a church pew. Christ has called you not to just get fire insurance, but Christ has called you with a purpose. He's got a mission for your life. You're still breathing. He can use you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, not to be a barren fig tree, but to be a fruitful tree for Jesus. And that's his plan and his desire for you. So today, more than ever, we need Christians that are bold and unashamed. And today's title is A Life Worth Living. 
And so a life worth living is one that where a Christian is bold for Jesus. Stand up for Jesus. You say, okay, what do I have to stand up for Jesus about right now? Well, very simply, we should be preaching and sharing the gospel. But it goes deeper than that. Our faith in America is under attack. Our beliefs as Christians are under attack. Colleges that claimed years ago to be founded upon biblical principles that were trying to train people for the ministry. Now, they do not believe that God is the creator. They do not believe that Jesus is the sole way to heaven, and they do not even teach biblical doctrine in their schools. Our country has grown far away from the Bible. And so right now, I want to go through 12 non-negotiable facts 12 non-negotiables that come straight from God's word that are currently under attack in America, North Carolina, our counties, and everywhere around us. These 12 things are under attack, and if they get us to agree with them, then they've pulled our faith away from us. Listen, these are the things that we right now in the year 2020 need to stand up for because Paul did and be bold for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read these 12 things to you and talk about them very briefly. Number one. The inerrancy and infallibility of the Holy Scripture. The inerrancy and infallibility of the Holy Scripture. And right now in colleges all across America, there are professors that try to disprove God's Word. There are people that try to say God's Word is not ultimate truth. God's Word is not the basis for all truth. God's Word is not even true at all. And they'll try to tell us that. And they're trying to tell our college students that in our churches that go off to four-year universities. They're trying. There are people that are trying to disprove and discredit God's Word. It's under attack in our country as we speak today. And so we need Christians that will stand up and say, you know what, no matter what the news media tells me, no matter what a professor tells me, no matter what a politician tells me, God's word is God's word and it's the basis for all truth. That's where we find creation. That's where we find the fall of man. That's where we find the flood. And it's all true. That's where we find that man is sinful. Man needed a redeemer. Jesus was that redeemer. He offered himself for my, for my, he offered himself for me so that I could have the free gift of eternal life. We need Christians that will stand up for the truth of God's word. Number two, the full and eternal deity of Christ. The full and eternal deity of Christ. Right now, there are people in our country that try in churches that will try to say Jesus Christ was not fully God. There are denominations that will try to say Jesus Christ is not fully God. If they can make a Christian or a young Christian that does not know how to contend in the faith like Jude calls us to do, if we can find a Christian that will that does not know how to do that and they can start believing that Jesus Christ was not fully God, then they've taken their faith away. If we don't believe Jesus was fully God in his deity, then we could not have been saved. He had to be fully God to, to be raised from the dead. He had to be fully God to be sinless, but yet he had to be fully man so that he could, in all points like we are, tempted yet without sin. So it's vitally important that we stand up for Jesus Christ being full in his eternal deity. He was God. Number three, the miraculous virgin birth and sinless life of Jesus the Messiah. Right now, people are trying to say Jesus Christ was not born of a virgin. That's physically impossible. That could not happen. And so if we look at science and we look at statistics and we look at the way things happen today and the anatomy and physiology of, of people, that can't happen. Listen, right now, it's under attack that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. If we disbelieve that, if we say, well, you know, that's not, that, that might not be true, then we disbelieve God's word. God's word says multiple times it was prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. Matthew and Luke tell us he was born of a virgin. It's biblical truth, and he was sinless. 
People are trying to say, well, Jesus, you know what? He couldn't have been sinless. No, if he wasn't sinless, he couldn't have been your substitute. He had to be sinless. So right now, there are young people in churches, other denominations, in churches in America, that they're trying to preach against the truth that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and that he was sinless. Number four, the historical creation of man and woman made in God's image. The historical creation of man and woman made in God's image. So that does not matter who you are today. That does not matter your race. That does not matter your gender. That does not matter where you're from. That does not matter who your family is. The biblical truth is that you as a mere human were created in the very image of God. Right now, you are an image bearer of God. And so that is under attack. That, oh, mankind was not created in the image of God. Mankind was created because of some cosmic dust ball that blew up billions of years ago. And then an amoeba formed in some mud puddle and then crawled on land and sprouted legs. And thus we have human life. That's not true. That's what our kids and teens and college students are being taught in schools right now. And many are believing that because they were never taught by parents and by pastors and by youth groups how to contend in the faith. Number five, the sanctity of life. From conception to natural death, no abortion. Did you hear that? The sanctity of life from conception to natural death, no abortion. America right now on the forefront of killing and murdering innocent babies. No matter the color, no matter the gender, they are for murdering innocent babies. That is against God's word. That is straight up murder. God's word calls it murder. God's, the Bible says before he formed you in the belly, he knew thee, he knew you. And so that is murder. And right now there are politicians, there are professors, there are people in our churches and around our world that are promoting this idea of murdering innocent babies. And how have we as a country, how have we as a church, listen, stood by for so long and let this take place? We need Christians that will stand up and contend. The Greek word for contend in the faith is agonize, fight for the faith, the biblical truth. We need people that will stand up and boldly proclaim, like Paul, boldly and unashamedly proclaim. That's murder. That is strictly murder. And that right there is under attack in our world. And actually, that is winning in our world right now. As I think it's like 800,000 babies a year in America are murdered in our streets, in our cities, in North Carolina, hundreds of thousands of babies murdered because we, because so many times for so long, people said, oh, it's okay. It's your choice. You can do what you want to do. No, God's design for that child was not that. That was not God's purpose for that child. And so the sanctity of life from conception to natural death, no abortion. Number six, the sacredness of marriage between a man and a woman. That goes all the way back to Genesis That goes all the way back to when God created Adam and Eve and joined them together to become one flesh. It's man and woman. And right now, there are denominations. There are people in churches that claim, you know what? It's God's design for you to be happy. It's God's design for you to just love. And so that's okay. Listen, we need Christians that will stand up for biblical truth. It's clear in God's word. It's clear in the New Testament. It's clear in the Old Testament. There's verses that clearly call it sin, just like premarital sex, just like adultery. It is sin. And so the God's design for marriage is under attack. God's blueprint for marriage in America is under attack. And we as the church must stand up and defend God's design for marriage. It's one man and one woman for life until death. That's God's design 
for marriage. Number seven, the sinfulness of all human persons. Man, you go to a college right now or you go walk the street and you go talking to somebody. They'll say, you know what? Mankind is morally good. Mankind is basically good. Their good works tend to outweigh their bad works, except for a select few. So mankind as a whole, they're good. You know, that teaching doesn't align with God's word either. God's word actually says there's none righteous, no, not one. God's word says that we fall short of the glory of God each and every day. God's word says that we're all sinners. And so if that's what God's word teaches us, but the world is teaching us that we're actually good people filling our ego, then man, that's against God's word. And so we need to stand up and say, you know what? We are sinners. We desperately needed a redeemer, and that was Jesus. Our thoughts are wicked. Our actions at times are wicked. Our speech at times is wicked. And so we needed a redeemer. We're sinful. Listen, church, the only thing good in us is Jesus. The only thing good in us is the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And so we must not get this idea that, you know what, well, I'm a good person, and because I'm good, that's going to earn me favor with God. No. What earns us favor with God is accepting Jesus his, for his sacrifice on the cross as he offered us the forgiveness of sins. That is what offers us a new standing before God the Father. Number eight, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on the cross for sinners. The substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on the cross for sinners. There are people in the church right now, in churches that try to preach that Jesus' death on the cross was not for all sinners. They try to say that Jesus was not the substitute. Jesus was not the lamb. And the Bible is very clear that he was our propitiation. He was our substitute. He is the one that took our place 2,000 years ago. And so his death on the cross was not just for a select few. His death on the cross was for the sin debt of the whole entire world. His death on the cross, his sinless death on the cross was to be our substitute, the substitute for everyone that would ever live and breathe on this earth. He offered himself for them, for you, and for me. Number nine, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Right now, there are people that try to disprove that Jesus Christ really rose from the grave. They'll say, okay, Jesus was real, but he did not really rise from the dead. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, if we uh, have no resurrection, we're of all men most miserable. So if someone can try to disprove the resurrection to you and I, they, they disprove our whole faith. They take everything we have away. But the Bible is very clear on the third day, Jesus did get up. Jesus did defeat death, hell, and the grave. Jesus did walk out of that tomb, defeating it all, now offering us the free gift of eternal life. And so Jesus Christ did, in fact, rise bodily from the grave 2,000 years ago. That's a truth from God's word that's under attack in America right now. Number 10, this is a big one. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I'm going to repeat it. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That right there is under attack in our world. I was watching a video the other day. It was a collab of different videos put together. This guy was asking questions about different churches, and he said, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? I watched multiple of these videos and church leaders, pastors of different denominational churches, different churches, they would say this. No, I do not believe Jesus is the only way to heaven in America, in the church so-called. No, I do not believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. What? Listen, friends, Christians, it's under attack in our world right now. The Bible is very clear. There is one way to God. There is one way to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. It is by grace alone, 
through faith alone in Christ alone that gets us to heaven. We cannot go apart from Jesus. There is no other way apart from Jesus. You can skim the scripture all you want to. And the truth that you will find is it's grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. It's not baptism. It's not church membership. It's not good works. It's not tithing. It's not church attendance. It's faith alone in Christ alone through his grace that he offers to you and I right now. That's under attack, and we need Christians that will stand up boldly for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're willing to proclaim the good news that, hey, salvation, you're a sinner, like we talked about, the sinfulness of all men, you're a sinner, but there's a God that loves you so much. There's a God that offered Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to be sin for you when he knew no sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in him, and you know what? You accept that free gift of salvation by grace and through faith. Man. We need to be preaching that message today. Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Number number 11, the exclusiveness of the gospel of Jesus Christ for sinners. The exclusiveness of the gospel of Jesus Christ for sinners. The gospel is enough. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for sinners. And that is the only way for a, for a lost person to enter heaven. And it's for all sinners. Number 12, the return of Jesus Christ in the assignment of all people either to eternal blessedness or eternal condemnation in hell. Right now, there are people in churches, there are people in colleges that will try to teach you that hell is not real. That God did not design a second place for eternity, that everybody gets to go to heaven. Listen, that does not align with God's word. There's a generation of Christians that do not like to speak on hell because it is frightening. It is scary, but there's a necessity for us to understand that our family members our friends, those people we meet at Walmart, apart from Jesus, there's no hope. Apart from Jesus and his grace and through faith, there is no way. And so there is two eternal destinies, heaven and hell. You go to heaven through knowing Jesus. You go to hell through rejecting Jesus. And so that is under attack in our world and our churches today that, hey, you know, you're a good person. Because you're a good person, you can go to heaven apart from Jesus and you'll never have to experience hell. You know, the worst part of hell is being separated from God for all of eternity. And so it's true. There is two eternal destinies, and you go to one or the other. You either place your faith in Jesus and go to heaven, or you reject Jesus and go to hell. So right now, 12 things that are under attack in our world, in our country, in our state right now. That listen, no matter if you're where you're at today, we need Christians that will be bold for Jesus. You say, well, I understand that. I believe all that you've just said. I know it's straight from Scripture, but I have a hard time. You say, I struggle with being bold. I struggle with living a Christ-centered life. Well, what can I do? I'm going to ask you this question. Say um, you're in a college class and you get a pop quiz. This, this pop quiz is your final exam. And this exam will determine how you live and what you do for the rest of your life. Here's the quiz. It's one piece of paper, it's one question, and it's fill in the blank. It says this, for me, living is, and there's a blank. For me, living is. I want you to maybe pause the podcast right there or just think and meditate for a minute. What does that answer to you? For me, living is. If you'd ask that question across our country, across our schools, you'd probably get answers like this. For me, living is money. Man, I want money. 
I want to be rich. I want to be wealthy. I want to have money to provide for my family. I want to have money to uh, put food on the table. I want to have money to buy all the things I want. And my money's not wrong. Is that what you're living for? For me, living is money. Some might say, for me, living is education. Man, I just want to get the education. I just want to have the degree on the wall so that I can have the good job and that I can be successful in life. Some might say, for me, living is sports. Sports is what satisfies me. Sports is what drives me. Sports is my favorite thing in the world. Some might say, for me, living is sexual pleasure. Whether it's outside the bonds of marriage or whether it's uh, with a relationship right now that you're in, you say, for me, living is sexual pleasure. Some might say, for me, living is pornography. Or for me, living is alcohol. Or for me, living is tobacco. Or for me, living is, and you fill in the blank. Right now, what's your answer? For me, living is. Whatever you put there determines the course for the rest of your life, I assure you that. Then if you flipped over the test... There's an end to it. One last part to the, to, the, to, the, to the question. It says this, dying is. So you answered on the first half, for me, living is money. If the back half had said dying is, you would say broke. For me, my whole life is spent to pursue money. And if I have to die, I would die when I'm broke. Some might say, for me, living is sports. Man, I love sports. You flip it over and you say, dying is absolutely no sports. Some might say, for me, living is the sexual pleasure. For you, dying would be no sexual pleasure. Some might say, for me, living is education. You would be dying is no education. So whatever your living is, dying is not having that. Well, the Apostle Paul, was he answers this question in uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. And he says this, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So Paul, as he's posed this question, he says, For me, living is Jesus. Dying is gain. What? What do you mean, Paul? For me, living is Jesus. Dying is gain. I can almost hear the conversation with the guards as Paul is in Roman prison. They're they're talking to Paul. Paul, we're going to put you in prison for the rest of your life. That's fine. I'll preach Jesus to all the guards. Paul, you know what? Nope, never mind. We're going to kill you. That's fine. I get to see Jesus. Paul, you know what? We're going to make you suffer. You know what? That's fine, guard. Because when I suffer, I'm closer to Jesus because he suffered for me. He writes all that in Philippians. I can hear the conversation now. And so as Paul says, for me, living is Jesus. Dying is gain. Man, what a Christ-centered Christian. What a bold Christian. So right now, what's your answer? For you, what is living and what is dying? You say, what does Paul mean dying is gain? Because from the world standards, if we would put money, education, pleasure, if we would put anything, dying is living without that. But for those that know Jesus, if our whole life is consumed with Jesus and nothing but Jesus, when we die, you know what? We get to spend eternity with Jesus. So for us dying, it's not apart from Jesus. It's with Jesus closer than we've ever been to him before. And so Paul writes, for me, living is Jesus because I'm going to live for him. I'm going to be bold for him. I'm going to stand up for his for, for the gospel. But when I die, when I meet death, I get to see Jesus. Christian, right now, if you would have taken that test and put anything other than Jesus You're not a Christ-centered Christian, and that's probably why we struggle so much with standing up for the sake of the gospel. That's why we struggle so much and we get so caught up in things in our world that are important, but they're not the most important. We'll fight all day for an opinion. 
We'll bicker back and forth on Facebook all day because someone disagrees with something we agree with. We'll fight all day and put all of the, the stories, we'll put all of the posts for something that we so strongly agree with. But when it comes to standing up for the truth of God's word being attacked in our world, we're silent. And the reason is, for us, living is not Jesus. And dying is being without whatever it is we're living for. Today, I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to challenge myself, that we need Christians that are bold. And I pray before you would submit that test, you would rethink your answer. You would say, you know what? Living to me is Jesus. Jesus is the one that offered himself as my substitute. Jesus is the one that took all of my sin. Jesus is the one that took all of my guilt. Jesus is the one that took all of my depression, all of my anxiety, all of my wrongdoings. He put them on himself. He paid for my sins when I couldn't. And now in return, he doesn't give me my sins. All of my sins are put on his back when I come by faith to him and he gives me his righteousness. So now when I stand before the father, I'm redeemed, I'm justified, and he sees me as though I'd never sinned because I've come by faith through the eternal work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Listen, friends, we need Christians that put today, Jesus is my everything. And if he's not, ask him for forgiveness right where you're at and commit to living your life sold out to Jesus. And let's as a church together be bold and stand up for the truths of God's word. I pray you have a great Friday and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.